Good morning, people of the internet. You're listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank one minute at a time. I am your co-host, Hugh. And I'm your other co-host, Dev. And on today's show, we're going to be looking at minute 32 of the movie in which uh, Debbie really kicks into gear with her interview of Martin. And uh, we'll see how that goes. Joining us all this week on the podcast is Bubba Wheat of the Fight Club Minute podcast. Welcome, Bubba. Hey, it's good to be back. Absolutely. We had good fun yesterday. So uh, just out of interest, how did you first come to the film? Well, this has been a film that's been on my radar for ages. I think the the first time that I really caught uh, a bit more of the the movie was that they, I believe that they... um, tested the microwave bomb on an episode of Mythbusters. Oh, yes, they did. And, uh, but, but other than that, I've, it's been one of those where I keep putting it off and putting it off. And I finally watched the movie for the first time uh, earlier this morning. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. wow. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. So you, did you uh, watch the whole film through or have you not quite finished it or? Yeah, I, I was able to to finish it. I I tend to be a serial com- procrastinator. I'm usually not this bad, but I did finish it, I'd say, about uh, 20, 25 minutes before we started recording. Okay, okay. This is good. This, I think, is <laughs> the first person we've had who's, who's watched the film specifically to, to record this. So this is kind of exciting. And what did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. I I thought it was funny because my wife thought that this was like a, a prequel to, uh, I believe, the movie's War Inc., where uh, John Cusack plays a very similar character with uh, Hilary Duff as his daughter. Yeah, and yeah. technically, though, that was that was actually developed as a sequel, and then they changed it along the way to when when they were going into production. Which is so, yeah, it is really <laughs> a prequel. So that's cool. Um, did you have you seen anything by George Armitage directed by George Armitage before? Or? Um, that I I don't know. I I would have to look at his filmography. Yeah, to, the main one. Everyone... The, the name doesn't sound familiar to me. Yeah, well, he hasn't done that many, but he's had quite a long career that goes right back to the seventies. And but the film he's that he was most known for is the one he did before this, which was called uh, Miami Blues, with Alec Baldwin and Fred Ward. Uh, which is an adaptation. No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, that, it, 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 it's a really decent adaptation of a, a Florida-based comedy crime novel, hardboiled novel, um, and it does real justice to it. Hank, uh, Hank Mosley, the cop character in the in the books, is played by Fred Ward, and um, there's the, the tonal balance that Armitage brings to Gross Point Bank is exactly what he kind of refined on. He developed on Miami Blues, so it's kind of an interesting uh, film to go and watch if you've seen Gross Point Blank. Um, because you'll, you know, it's, it's it suddenly becomes quite clear it's definitely the same guy. Um, yeah, I did. I did go back and watch that the other day. I hadn't seen it previously. Okay, it is. It does not hold up nearly as well. I feel no, it's no, I agree. The, the, the the tone. You're right. He's definitely refining it, and it's not quite there. I think in Miami Blues, mm-hmm. but you can see where it's coming from. You can see how this came from that film. Yeah, 
Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I th- I think he's I think it's interesting that that, that the, 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 there's a thing happening at that time in the water in terms of not just new a uh, whole wave of crime novels being written and, and hardball fiction having a big renaissance, but it's also the fact that Hollywood is still trying to figure out how to adapt them properly. Um, and and there's various experiments in the eighties. Some work, some don't. And I think one of the prime mistakes most of them make is. Uh, because they want to save money in film in LA, they will take them out of cities that are more <sighs> atmospheric or, or, or uh, appro- you know, appropriate for the crime scenes in question and put them in sunny LA. And so that, that often changes a mood entirely. I mean, um, Eight Million Ways to Die is the classic example because that's a New York set novel. And suddenly it's it's bright sun and... Jeff Bridges in you know Hawaiian shirts and whatnot, and it's just very different. Um, and I and I think that's one of the interesting things here is um, again, Gross Pump Blank and, and Miami Blues both. You know, they feel this is all part of. I think part of the comedy of Gross Pump Blank comes from when it comes out and the fact that it's coming after all of these attempts. And there is something really ironic about shooting the entire thing in LA, but making such an effort to make it be. <laughs> gross point michigan <laughs> i feel like that's almost the joke itself is 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 that you know they're actually doing it it's, it's almost built into the film itself is this kind of sense of parody of of what these films are like yeah and and it is noticeable when you think about it in terms of the weather and the climate and stuff because it is unbelievably sunny and and bright <laughs> blue skies all the time apparently in Gross Point, Michigan, uh, for this movie. Um, yeah, having a good summer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh dear. <clears throat> but yes, coming back to uh, to, to Debbie then, and uh, the interrogation rather than I mean, we called it an interview last episode. I'm starting to feel like this is where it ramps up into something far more direct. I I love that little monologue she does right at the start, and she just pulls the mic in to really underscore that it's a $700 prom drop. Always yeah. sticks in my head that bit because it's just it's, like yeah. the bitterness is still there 10 yeah. years later. Yeah. Yeah. That she, she is not, a, she's not leaving anything to chance. That microphone will pick up the way she feels. <laughs> and I like how, like after that, uh, Martin does, uh, pull in the microphone himself so yes. to make sure that he is that his answer is getting picked up and that he is showing that he's fully participating in this <laughs> interview at least at this point in time yeah yeah and and again it's his mirroring isn't it he mirror he, he kind of i i can't remember if she ever notices that because he's using that technique isn't it that thing of mirror the other person and then there you will be more you know maybe they'll be on better terms with you because they will subconsciously go oh yeah we're, we're the same and of course clearly not what you should be doing with her <laughs> but he does it it's habit with him among with along, along with all his other habits yeah, his his performance in this minute is just fantastic. Like the the agitation, the fiddling, like looking at everything, just like it, 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 he really, really does sell it so well in this minute that he's just so out of his depth. Yeah, and and, and out of control, oh, which I think is is the thing <laughs> that he's really not used to. Right, is is not being in control of the situation. Yeah, one one thing that I had forgotten about whenever I I brought it up last uh, last episode. But it, it's actually um, Debbie that that closes the second set of blinds 
and that's oh. whenever he uses the opportunity to switch seats. And I, I also like that as he's watching her go up, he, he does just this great little uh, eye flick where his eyes flick over to the outside window. And that gives him the idea of switching seats because he knows that the uh, um, that the government agents are out there. Oh, yeah, of course. Do you know, I always forget, right? Like every time I've watched this movie, I always forget we've just seen them outside and he knows they're outside. Like there is perfectly reason it's what he's doing is reasonable in the context <laughs> but i'm so in, i'm so into what their relationship is that i'm just like like taking her view and looking at it going yeah what is wrong with you dude? <laughs> but actually you're absolutely right you're absolutely right it's perfectly reasonable in that context like oh yeah they are out there i still can't believe those two agents i love how quickly they go from guys talking about killing people and stuff in a few scenes ago and to to, to comedic value of you know eating in their car and wanting to ring in and have make comments just oh so funny yeah that yeah. those are those two guys are definitely some of my favorite characters in, in this movie because they they have just this nice arc that goes through the whole movie where i i think initially you're supposed to think that they're hitmen and then they reveal that they're actually government agents and that's why they're not killing him immediately they have to wait for him to do something illegal so they can kill him <laughs> at the same time they're they're also you know they're they're not necessarily good cops because they're not wanting to wait until he is on the verge of doing something so they can stop him they want to let him kill whoever he is going to kill so they can then kill him yeah and, and just I, I think, and also the fact that it's Hank Azaria as as one oh, of them yeah. because he is always a fantastic actor and I I didn't look up the name of the other guy but I I took me it took me a minute but I recognized him as uh, as a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah. mm-hmm. he was Mister Trick in the yep, first half of season right. three that's him yeah. yep uh, K Todd Freeman is it I think that's I think so I think that's what you said in a previous episode <coughs> yeah. Um, Again. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I would love to see more of the two of them in this movie. Yeah, I can see how it got pulled. I think it would it would distract from the core story a little too easily, but they are just fantastic. Um, yeah, so and, and I almost like I, I was almost expecting them to to eventually be like be on Martin's side by the end because mm. it, they start to get a little invested in his personal life, like as, especially whenever they have the moments whenever he's taking Debbie to the reunion where mm. it, it seems like they're really getting invested in his personal life and starting to forget about the, the job. But then they end up sadly getting to gun down at the end along with everybody else. Mm. Yeah. There, uh, have you guys seen the uh, TV version of Fargo that Fox have been doing for the last few years? Last, well, quite a few. I've seen years. the first season or two. Uh, right. I so have is, not. It's, okay. Season. So so yeah, that that's very much. It, it, it's an interesting riff on the Coen Brothers' worlds without being precisely slavish to the Coen Brothers. But there's a couple of feds in. I think it's season one, played by Key and Peele. And I've just realized that what they're doing is these two guys. 
It's only just hit me because the way they play those characters, I remember thinking it was so funny and I really enjoyed it. And there's, But it, it's so similar, so similar. They, I can't believe that they weren't riffing on, 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 the, on the two guys here. I just can't. They must have been because it's so, so similar. Um, but yeah, no, it, 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 there is something about the way Freeman and Azari approach, approach what even by the by the time this film comes out is a is a cliche of the genre, but they approach it in 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 what feels like a reasonably fresh way. And as you say, there's an the the emotional investment is is fascinating. There, there's that's quite fun um, because I never get the impression they're investing in them simply because like it's never going to stop them killing. Him. <laughs> They're just like, oh, look at him! This guy's trying to do right. <laughs> There's a kind of sort of something he gets under the skin of their jaded, cynical attitude a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's not going to turn into a John Woo film, you know. And it's suddenly going to be like, you know, respect. Yes, let's back to back fighting the other guys, you know. Um, which is, I think, where it would it, 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 it kind of leans toward. And I think that's the other thing. As a, thinking as a John Woo fan, I do think also a lot of what is being parodied in this film is the American interpretation of Hong Kong filmmaking. Because at this point, we've had quite a few American films by various Hong Kong filmmakers and i feel like that's part of what's happening in the film is a sense of the parody of that as well um i mean you don't bring in benny the jet as they do later on for yeah you know without yeah. knowing that people who know who he is will get why he's there and the two guns and, and yet, as well i mean it it is quite a small part of the movie though that that mm. it's really just that um school corridor sequence that really in any way references it because there's there's not really any close quarters fighting aside from no but it's, it's it's the two guns thing it's the way oh, they, there is that yeah yeah it's the, it's the way they do the 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 because 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 by this point in time you've also had the first five six steven seagals as well so the whole cliche of the uh the the ultimate fight like that is you know 20 years yeah. of american mm-hmm. crime films in which somebody walks into a in, in, into a bodega or a grocery store, and there's a robbery happening, right? Like that's just you know a given. But then the fact that they, he, you know, one guy's using a submachine gun and he's using twin pistols, and that still manages to miss him completely, you know. Um, <laughs> and then also at the end as well, where it's all about two guns reloading, it's that very much that uh, that thing that the Hong Kong movies had pushed, had kind of started to influence in American movies, uh, particularly yeah. with the back to back thing by the wall. That's pure John Woo, but we'll talk about that later when we get there. I mean, like, like, like oh yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. you know, but like here, just yeah. just um, here in this moment in time, those two, the two feds, the two government agents. Yeah, there is something about the way they start to really get into this couple. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you just wonder: would they root for them? Would they have helped them? I think they wouldn't have. And yeah, I still think they'd have gone all the way to the end for them, and then gone. Yeah, but we still got to get rid of you. Bam. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's that's pretty much what they're trying to do, right? Like, yeah, but I mean, yeah. I think just trying to keep themselves amused. Like, they're so bored. <laughs> I kind of feel that's a big part of it, right? Like, I think it's one of those things when you're on a stakeout, like the the things that suddenly become interesting would right. never actually like interest real you, right? Like, it's just there's literally no other options, right? All of a sudden trying every flavor of potato chip or every different <laughs> soda from the convenience store is suddenly the greatest thing ever because your world is narrowed so much that that's what you have available to you at this point. I would totally do that. 
Like if I was stuck for that long and there was a convenience store nearby, I would completely work my way just through the things on the shelf. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. Wow. You're there for a job, but hey, in the meantime. Yeah. I've never been in the military. I've got friends who've been in it and they do talk about the whole thing about hurry up and wait. It's just a, you know, a lot of the thing, a lot of the job is just waiting. And so, yeah, silly things happen while people are just waiting. Yeah, one other like uh, little acting mem- moment that I noticed in the minutes that I really like is is during that seat switch. I do really like how Mini Driver doesn't she just completely takes it in stride. Like she <laughs> takes a beat, she blinks, and then she just sits down and keeps on going. Mm. It is cool. It's it's both professionalism and some sort of instinct about Martin himself as well, isn't it? She, she knows yeah. him well enough, which is like... And that, that cut to Martin looking a little sheepish, like he suddenly realised <laughs> he's been caught doing something as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just so good how they just fill in these little lines of, of, of the, 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 between the, you know, the, in the space between that show us the relationship as it was. You know, you can really imagine them when they were younger. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And it does feel like that. You know, they still have that energy about them in, yeah. in this whole uh, radio sequence. Yeah, because the energy is going to change later. So, yeah. yeah. This was Minute 32 of the Gross Point Blank podcast, Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, featuring your hosts, co-writers and co-producers, myself, Dev Sodiger, and Hugh David. And today's guest and our guest all this week is Bubba Wheat of the Fight Club Minute podcast. Bubba Wheat, where can people find you online? Well, as the, the best place to find me is on any social media. You can just find me where I'm at Bubba Wheat. It's a unique name, and that's why I haven't given it up in favor of my real name. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, I'd say Instagram is probably the best place to go. And I, I do also have another podcast that is currently active. It's called It's Time to Rewind. And that's kind of that's similar to a Movies by Minutes um podcast only i tend to look at time loop movies and movies that are similar to time loops and i look at them one loop at a time oh. and uh, i'm i'm currently going through 50 first dates which is it's i kind of look at it i and i had just um i did it after memento and i kind of look at them as you know they with their memory issue they are kind of reliving their own time loop because every day is the same day for them even wow. though everyone else is uh, going on that's, that's quite the juxtaposition yeah that's so cool that <laughs> yes. is really cool oh and i, I uh yeah so does that mean you're also going to do stuff like looper and um yeah it's uh i mean it, it, it's on my big list but yeah, excellent because yeah. <laughs> looper surprised me well i i finally got around to watching it after a long time and I, I i was pleasantly surprised by the mechanic and how it decides to use the mechanic um it definitely decides to take a different approach the other really good one though the one i'd seen before which is kind of i wouldn't say it spoiled looper for me but which i think is very underrated is there's a spanish movie called time crimes 
Uh, oh yeah, I, I covered that one. Yeah, yeah. that's five, great. Five episodes. I've and I even have a, an interview with uh, Nacho Vigilante. Oh, fantastic! Vigilando. Nacho's amazing. He's cool. Yeah, very very cool. Um, yeah, yeah. That oh, was that's a fantastic, fantastic conversation. I I oh, loved God. talking with him. Okay, I'm going to listen to that. Thank you for telling me. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've got friends who are friends of him. He's big big fan as well. But yeah, I think I think he's a really interesting talent. And I think Time Crunch was an amazing kind of debut. Um, so yeah, and I think that's one of those films I really hope somebody like Vinegar Syndrome like pulls out on Blu-ray and makes available because I think there's going to be a lot of people who who will discover it all over again. Mm. Cool. <clears throat> uh, right. Okay. And yes, you can find us <laughs> all good podcast players as well as on YouTube, Twitter, or AKA X, AKA whatever it's called by the time you hear us and Spotify. In all cases, our handle is at Debbie radio and as well as our website being Debbie And in all of those cases, it is spelt D E B I radio. That's D E B I radio. And if you want to talk with us, you can find us on the Facebook listeners group, which is called Debbie Radio 79.5 FM Fan Club. Sure was clear that all of this was new. Concentrating hard like a little girl smoking for the first time. It wasn't a moment. It was a feeling of mood.